content warning. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to give a trigger warning uh, to people who may have been affected by uh, severe mental health conditions, um, including and up to uh, suicide and addiction. Uh, these themes are referenced within the podcast, within the discussion. So I wanted to give folks um, enough time to opt out of listening to this episode if they do not feel comfortable with a discussion centered around those themes. Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. Before we get into the actual conversation... A couple of bits of admin in the usual fashion. Um, hopefully, uh, you have all heard the content warning at the the, the start of the episode. Um, if you haven't, go back and, and listen to that uh, before we get into the episode. I just don't want anybody to, to go into the conversation unaware of some of the subjects that we discuss. So um, please do uh, listen to that, that content warning. Um, but usual pieces of admin before we get into that discussion. Uh, first of all, on the 27th of November... Uh, this coming November, the Green Gazelles, the world's first vegan rugby team, fully vegan rugby team, will be playing a game against Roslyn Park uh, in the southwest of London at Roslyn Park Stadium. Uh, £15 a ticket. Tickets available from greengazellesrugbyclub.com. That's greengazellesrugbyclub.com. You will be treated to a 15s rugby game between the Green Gazelles and Roslyn Park, as well as all kinds of wonderful vegan fare on offer from various vegan stallholders and businesses, um, and also uh, vegan alcohol and bits and pieces. The usual, the usual fare you'd expect at such a glorious event. Um, so that is on offer. Um, for those of you who would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. Uh, you can do that through Apple Podcasts if you are an Apple Podcast user. There is a new subscription function in Apple Podcasts that allows you for just a token fee of 99 pence a month to support the podcast and gain early access to the episodes. Um, you essentially get them a week ahead. There'll also be some exclusive content uh, that comes down the uh, down the track over the coming weeks and months, which is also uh, very exciting. Um, and like I say, every week, ultimately, you're helping keep the lights on at Bloody Vegans Towers. Uh, other piece of business, if you would like to support uh, through Patreon, you can do there as well. There's all kinds of things on offer on Patreon, uh, from merchandise and exclusive content as well, uh, through to shout outs on the podcast and um, mentions in the show notes and all kinds of wonderful things. So if you are that way inclined and would like to support um, the Bloody Vegans podcast, then you can do in those various ways. Please do. It's very, very much appreciated and a huge, huge thank you to those of you who do already. Um, so this episode, I'm going to be chatting with Nikki Cowell. Um, often I say the word incredible. I'm aware I probably say it too much. Um, that word is not uh, is not befitting enough 
of Nikki. She is truly an awe-inspiring individual um, who has been through some um, incredibly tragic events in her in her life, um, and and has has battled um, heroically throughout them. Um, and is is truly an inspiration to us all. As you can tell, it's really difficult to find words to sum up somebody like this. The conversation, I think, and listening to Nikki firsthand, I think, sort of says it also. I'd recommend doing that shortly. Um, for those who, who who may not have heard of Nikki before, Nikki uh, is a rugby player for Sale Rugby Club. Uh, she is also a Green Gazelles rugby player as well, which is very exciting. It's an absolute honour to have her on the roster. Um, she's also a personal trainer and has recently competed as a bodybuilder in the PCA Bikini Tall Midlands um a uh, tournament that happened a week or so ago and I'm delighted to say Nikki finished second in that and has got through to the next the next stages of that tournament so I- incredibly exciting uh, like I say Nikki is truly awe-inspiring has been through an awful lot and um, although you know like she she would say she'd be the first one to say you know he's still still going through uh, those things and still working through some very tragic events uh, she really is a, a an inspiration to all uh, in in how she's sort of tackled these things. So I think it's safe to say Nikki will do a far better job of um, uh, of telling her story than I. So without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Nikki Cal. We've done half a podcast already. It's been great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's funny. So, Nikki, it'd be, it'd be awesome to get started with a little bit of your personal journey into the world of veganism. What kind of brought you to it? So, I actually, it's it's mad that I even, I think, went vegan because I used to be typically that kind of person who had you know kind of thought a bit of a stereotype about vegetarians and vegans and I used to be you know when I trained I used to be like no you have to have meat with everything and where to get your protein from and you know I used to not understand it and then and I, I had a proper detachment from the meat you buy in supermarkets and animals I just d- didn't I thought about it but I didn't really associate the two and um, there was one day about six years ago where I actually, I took a one-way ticket to Thailand and I kind of was a bit more open to changes in my lifestyle. And I was on a boat and a Burmese boy, um, I was actually helping one of my friends. She she worked on the boat at the time as um, a scuba instructor and like an assistant for the people on the boat. And this Burmese boy, he pulled a fish out of the water and he started slicing it up while it was still alive and, and he put it into a pan on the boat, started eating it. And there's just, obviously, as you can imagine, there's blood everywhere and the fish was alive and then it wasn't. And I completely just sat there and I felt physically nauseous from having watched him do that. But it made me then think, oh my gosh, that poor animal has just been consumed and it was probably just you know having a nice day having a swim around and it actually made me very upset and I remember um I went to the bathroom and started crying on the boat and I had never felt that kind of way about 
meat before. And then I thought, well, I quite enjoy vegetarian food. So for the rest of my whole trip in Thailand, I think it was another two or so months I had left. I just didn't, I, there was no part of me that wanted to have any meat, not even mm. uh, non-sea animals. I just, I just thought, well, I'm in a beautiful country and I just wanted to try something different. And also it completely put me off at the time. I didn't think in my mind when I come home, I won't eat meat again. Or I didn't think of anything. I just I solely went off how I felt in that moment. And then as time was going on, whilst I was in Thailand, I was trying new foods. I, I actually ended up, I probably must have eaten vegetarian for a few weeks and then while I was um, trying different things I probably started cutting more things out like the dairy and I started looking more at ingredients in products and it was I started um, there was a Thai lady who lived down the road from me who only made vegetarian dishes so I just was eating with her most evenings and having a lot of fruit from the land or wherever I was eating at the time. And I started then in my free time researching and watching more documentaries on where your food comes from and uh, the meat and dairy industries, because I'd turned a blind eye to it all for so many years. And I thought, actually, this is disgusting, you know, and I thought, why have I had such a warped idea of this diet for so many years? And I don't want, I, because I had such a, an emotional response to seeing that animal die and get eaten, I thought, if this is how I actually feel about animals being consumed for food because I've seen it, I was like, I must have spent years not really caring because I don't see it. So then I started watching more about it. And ever since that day, seeing the fish, I still haven't to this day eaten meat. And that was six years ago. I still, it just, as soon as I came home, I had no feeling inside of me that ever wanted to consume meat again. And I probably spent the better half of about a year um, understanding food, understanding what to avoid, understanding that you can't really like when I first went vegan I think I did it wrong like a lot of people probably do it wrong I just went straight to the free from aisle and I was buying pizzas and processed foods and processed sausages that were vegan and my diet wasn't great I was buying a lot of protein bars and I'd probably say a lot of refined sugar things and breads and nut butters and I didn't really think about what I was doing. I just wanted to make sure it had no animal products in it. And then it took me a while to understand what worked for me, what upset my body and what made me feel good. And I've probably been vegan five years now. I don't know, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm still learning. I'm still trying new foods all the time. When I first went officially vegan, I actually was very angry 
I was like angry that other people weren't waking yeah. up. And I, yeah. whenever I was around anyone, I was like, how are you eating meat? And how are you doing this? And, oh, that's got that in it. And eggs are gross. And, uh, oh, I was, I wanted to be like very activist at the beginning. Mm. And now I've realized in my personal experience people are more open to trying the food if I make it or if I'm eating it and they ask about it or if they see me train and they say, well, what do you eat for your recovery or what do you have? Or, you know, how do you play rugby and bodybuild and long distance run and you're a sprinter and I'm a hybrid. So I train in loads of different mm-hmm. disciplines and, the, and my, I'm fitter now than I've ever been in my life. and. I think that makes people curious to learn about what I'm eating. You know, I don't push it on anyone. I don't say you should be vegan. I just say, try this. It tastes amazing and it'll help with your recovery or it'll help with putting on size or it'll help with losing weight or, you know, it's now I just, I'm very calm about everything. And I just think, I think people have a big misunderstanding about the vegan diet, you know, Mm. and vegan people, I suppose. But yeah, long story short, I think that that was the turning point for me massively because overnight I cut meat out just from how disgusting I thought that was. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. What about you? (laughs) What about me? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because I don't know. Oh, well, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was all it was all very overnight for me um oh, uh, and, and long time listeners will will know this story because i've i've shared it a few times but it's uh, essentially about four and a half years ago i watched cowspiracy all oh, right ha- happened to come across it on on netflix mm. um i was i had like a little home gym in my spare room and i was on a a bike or an elliptical i can't even remember it was something like that and um flicking through netflix and thought this looks oh, I did, actually i thought this looks curious i didn't i didn't even think this looks good i was just like what is this yeah uh, this cowspiracy thing um thought it was a bit of a strange title etc watched it um and at the time i f- probably felt like i was you know it's sort of almost a bit laughable now but at the time i thought i was a bit of an environmentalist or at least i was you know <laughs> conscious of the of these things and yeah and i was recycling and all these kind of things and um and i realized I, you know I, I wasn't i guess i i, I was skeptical actually even when i finished watching it i still went and w- looked at the the facts on the website because i was kind of like well where's this come from because surely if this would be all over the place if this was news if this was if this was real we'd all be talking about this because it seemed like the way at least they presented it and i know it's not quite as simplistic as this but the way they presented it was like you know if we want to end climate change just stop eating animal mm-hmm. products and yeah. that will be that so i researched it uh found like you know oxford university report and united nations and i was kind of like okay so some credible sources of said this stuff and this reports make sense why am i so it was like over like that that was that was the end of it and then the next day it was like how do we get rid of all of this food that we've got in our house without just you know throwing it away because that's terribly wasteful so um 
it was a combination of like dried goods to food banks and fresh goods to friends and family and um and then what on earth do we eat and um i probably went the opposite to you actually i think and i insofar as I was at the beginning, I was very whole foods, plant-based. I was cooking everything from scratch. I didn't know what else to eat. So it was kind of, I mean, I I think it was probably a bit nutritionally deficient in places because I probably wasn't thinking about the broad approach Mm. of all the things that I needed to include. But it was certainly all pretty much from a whole food source. Like very fresh. Yeah. And it was later I discovered like, oh, there's loads of really nice junk food out there. I'll um, I'll have more of that. And yeah. I'm still, I still battle that. Uh, I still have that internal battle that goes on between the, um, you know, the, the, the plant-based sausages and the free from aisle versus the, the whole food stuff. But And I, I yeah, think it's fine. nice to have a balance of the two, you know? Yeah. I th- I th- 80-20 I rule kind of thing. 80-20. I mean, at the moment, I probably could be doing a healthier prep, but to hit my macros at the moment and because I'm being very fussy, I, it could be cleaner. <laughs> it definitely could be cleaner. <laughs> but I think because this is my first bodybuilding show and because I'm just understanding everything a bit better, it's all trial and error for me just to see what works and what doesn't. But I think I have throughout the day three like vegan protein shakes a day like just just to keep just to I think help make sure I hit a certain amount of protein a day but I I have to hit a certain amount of carbs and fats and things and I'm not gonna lie I've been lazy I've been lazy I make (laughs) like um I like quick meals at the moment I just have to have quick meals that are very easy to food prep and take wherever if I need to and that are perfect for my macros and things like that. And I've just, I mean, I do have normal meals, but Mm. to make sure I'm hitting a certain amount, things like protein shakes. And people ask me, do you have to have protein shakes? No. Like if you can hit your protein from food, great. But for me, I'm just like, it takes me 30 seconds to make. I'll see it off. And then I've I've had X amount of protein yeah. for that hour, you know. So it's just me being lazy. But like you said, it's it's like 80-20. I definitely will eat. I'll definitely eat. I'll definitely eat healthier after the show for sure. Right. It's just at the moment, I've I've got into such a routine with my diet that I don't want to upset my body from changing it. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. How, so. how did you get into it in the first place, bodybuilding? <laughs> Short version or long version? <laughs> um, Go okay. for the long version. We're, we're we're all about the long version here. Okay. So I, I won't get upset. I'll try not to. So. I obviously this is my first show um Mm. and I actually I'll go backwards so last year uh sadly well I was actually so yeah beginning of last year my goal was to trial for a premiership rugby team 
and my heart was set on that. I was training all the time, trying to prep for that. And because of lockdown, trials were cancelled and my my I lost my head pretty much. And I had to just focus on doing some sort of training. So I just carried on training as normal throughout the lockdown. And then um, I found out trials weren't going ahead and they were just going to scout um, quite a lot of international players and things like that. So my heart was kind of broke and I thought, do I want to carry on with rugby at the moment or do I not? Because that was like a really big goal of mine to play premiership. And sadly, in September last year, my dad committed suicide. And um, when that happened, because I had been trying so hard to play premiership so he could watch me on the TV because he was never able to go to my games physically. And he really wanted to see me play, but he couldn't because he was quite ill. And um, he had uh, depression. And he just, it was so bad, he wouldn't leave the house. He, he was um, sectioned for 18 months and then he'd only been out about six months. But he just, he didn't, he, he'd made the decision a long time before. And uh, he, yeah, so he, he passed away and it made me stop eating, stop training, stop sleeping. I was... As you can, I stopped working. As you can imagine, I was just in a really bad way and I didn't really know how to cope. I lost my partner shortly after that. Um, and I just honestly felt like my world was over, as you can imagine. And I, I'd probably say two or three months later, they were a blur. I was going through a lot of stages of grief and I said to myself one day, I was like, I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I just didn't recognize myself. And I said, you need a goal. You need something to keep you focused, to get you eating again, to get you training again. And I thought to myself, what is going to make me meticulous with my sleep, my training goal? I stopped playing rugby. I was like, not even rugby is making me want to do this. So it was strange. It was like, because I kept saying to myself, I needed a goal. I'd gone on my phone or I saw something one day that advertised for a bodybuilding show. And I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute, I was like, that's a goal and that will make me train and that gives me focus. And I felt drawn to that. And I thought, as a personal trainer, or was at the time, I thought, I've never done it before. And my idea of bodybuilders was, you know, not a lot of them are vegan. Not a lot of them have come from an athletic back. Well, like, I kind of thought, what an achievement to try. And I thought, mm. I wonder how hard it really is and the whole experience of it. So I got a coach, explained my situation, and it took me three months to get an appetite. It was difficult. He started me on maintenance calories. He said, try and hit this every day. I, 
it was hard for me to to get my mind clear enough to be focused with tracking and you know and my training was it's slow to start I was trying and um then my momentum was just it was oh I can't explain it 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 doesn't matter where I place on the day I mean it's come round quick it's next Sunday but um part of me like I'm very very competitive and obviously I want to win but part of me thinks whatever's meant to be will be and the prep saved my life really mm. like it actually helped me overcome depression and it gave me such laser focus and it was like no matter what bad things were going on at the time because I actually was oh me and that said partner were on and off and he'd actually been cheating on me for months and like I had to move home and I had to deal with police inquests and trying to sue my dad's care team and oh as you can imagine funerals and god knows what and I just and obviously battling with my own situation and work related and finance related and as you can imagine and I just no matter what was going on my mind was completely focused on prep and if anyone asked me what was the best thing I've probably ever done in my life so far I'd probably say this in terms of it gives you so much structure and like makes you appreciate a lot of things because obviously you do a bulk phase and then a cutting phase and it makes you care about what you're eating and care about your training. I can't explain it. You just make every rep count and every gym session matters. Whereas before when I trained for rugby, I wasn't that bothered. Well, I was, but for this, I'm like, even though you don't really win anything other than a plastic trophy and a medal, you know, what you experience over the 10 months before a show is worth everything. So, yeah, I mean, for me, and also, sadly, my brother's passed away. So I know when I step on stage, in a way, for me, it's like, I'm here to show, I'm here to like make you both proud in a way. And that's probably the only thing that's kind of kept me going with it because there's been a few occasions where I've wobbled and I've thought I'm not good enough for this. I've not put on enough weight for this because stress was so high. My cortisol levels were so high. um, And I just, yeah, I had to get a lot of therapy as well um, throughout that time. And because everything was so high, I was a bit all over the place and I struggled to put on weight. So I've, I've been nervous to know whether or not I've put on enough muscle in that time. I know my category is quite lean anyway, but it does kind of get in your head. And obviously they, they do say bodybuilding can go one of two ways. Like a lot of people yeah. come out with eating problems or body dysmorphia and things like that. But it's, it's crazy. I actually think if you can control your mind 
you won't suffer with any of it. Like, for me, when I said to myself, actually, take the pressure away from winning for a second and enjoy every gym session you have, enjoy the meals you're having and remind yourself of your why every single day and what's meant to be will be. So it's taken a lot of pressure away from me. I feel good. I'm 11 days out and I don't have prep brain, really. I'm not struggling. I, I probably can't lift as heavy as I once was able to, but I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone who probably might have been in the same situation as me and really needed something to focus mm. on. But it, it, it does take over your life. And I had to um, I had to stop playing rugby because of it. But and the rugby girls they don't want me to win because then I have to put weight on and go straight back to rugby. But um, hopefully I do win because then I'll compete in finals three weeks later, and then I'll probably just put weight on and go back to rugby. Who knows? I might get the itch, and I might just decide to bodybuild for the rest of my life. But <laughs> I'm just going to see what happens. But yeah, so. For me, it wasn't something that I've wanted to do all my life. It literally was something that just was triggered on set from a trauma. So, yeah. But it's yeah. the best thing that has ever happened to me so far. So, yeah. It's difficult to know know what to say. It's just, yeah, uh, uh, yeah apart from, you know, just incredibly, <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of feeling a mix of emotions. Obviously, just I, I can't imagine having been in that situation i i think this the strength the inspiration that it that it you know that it gives me i just think that as an individual to have been able to show such strength in in the face of that and you know take control and and seek the support not just physically like the physical side and i could totally understand that like i need something to get out of bed to motivate me to drive me but then to also think and, you know, from whatever personal tragedies I've been through in my life, nothing compared to that, you know, thank thank God. But the where I've I've not been as um, as focused or as able to move on is because I've never thought about the therapy side. I've always that's always been the bit that I, I wouldn't really come to. I might get, I might get to the gym bit. I might you know a little bit i mean nowhere near as focused but to, oh. to think about to to have the presence of mind to think so holistically when you're mm. going through such tragedy to think mm. i need to get my head right i need to get my body right i need to get my routines in place like i think it's just amazing a hundred percent and i'm quite fortunate that my family are quite spiritual because mm. they have really helped me shift over the years in terms of my mindset, I suppose, and with what matters and what really doesn't. And when you open up to, I mean, I don't know how spiritual you are, but um, I think that gives a lot of strength. Like throughout the year, probably not only gone for actual therapy, I had, oh gosh, cognitive behavioral therapy i had uh i had i've been at um, a support group like post-domestic violent um like a it was like a 
group of women that would talk about their experiences and then you go through, you know, how to come out the other side of that and how to cope. And um, fortunately, the NHS provided some therapy after the bereavement uh, and the separation. So that was helpful. Um, Obviously, it's optional, but I think that everyone, Mm. even if people feel fine, people should still have therapy because I think sometimes people don't realize that they have things going on in their subconscious that they've just pushed to the side and gone, nope, I'm not dealing with that. I don't want to think about that. And that works for some people, but that will come back to bite you later on in life. And I used to suppress everything. And now Mm. I've done a lot of inner work, like pulling out some, some demons and literally looking them in the face and, and letting it go or resolving or dealing with or accepting. And a lot of people bring things from the past into the future because they won't let go of things. So you're only reliving the pain every day. And it's hard to, I struggled after that bereavement. I like I put my brother's bereavement in a box in the back of my mind and I see a lot of signs from my brother on a spiritual level so I have a lot of peace from that because that's like how my family deal with that situation and we we all feel very uplift I, don't, I can't explain it like very positive about that whereas yeah I've still probably not fully accepted my dad's passing. I think because I spent so many years trying to help with his recovery and I used to be a living carer for him. And um, throughout that time, I think he was ill about a year. And then I was a living carer for him for 10 months. But I started drinking a lot as a means of coping. But I'd like drink and then go to work and I'd drink on break and I'd come home and I'd drink. And I was like... Oh my God, I'm like going to the gym, wasted. Like, that's not normal, you know? And I'd drink before I'd play rugby. And I'd, I'd, as soon as we came off the pitch, I'd want to drink. And I couldn't even believe that I had to, you know, turn to something external as my means of like suppressing how I was feeling. And it literally was making me extremely depressed. And um, I ended up, um, my dad had an attempt at the house while I was in his care and um, well, while he, I was caring for him and he was then sectioned on that occasion he was in about a year and then when he came out I said to him you know I, I can't live in with you again because it was too much so we then had carers but I think like I think, I think if, if, if people experience trauma they, especially when it's someone close to them, everyone's way of dealing with things is different. But if people ignore how they feel, it's only going to get worse. And I think you end up taking it out on everything and everyone around you. And I remember, I remember after he died, I became very, very angry. I was very, very angry. But, not at him and I can't I can't explain how I felt I 
changed as a person. So then I tried to take myself away to heal a lot of pain. And it's, it's hard. And I spent most of the time taking it out on the weights in the gym, which I think is very therapeutic. But I, th- I think, like you said, you probably struggle more to maybe want to seek actual therapy. But it is, I, I think, very beneficial. I didn't get a lot from counselling, but more so cognitive behavioural therapy, group therapy, I quite enjoy. And um, yeah, I I don't know. And also I think exercise, like like you could bring yourself to go to the gym or to play rugby, but Mm. I don't know, is it, is it, do you feel it's less likely for men to seek therapy or is it you personally i think they're both deeply interconnected yeah i Mm. I definitely think you know growing Mm. up as um as i did you know and uh, i played a lot of uh, in a lot of sports teams particularly rugby we were talking about before we recorded as a kid and that, that kind of you know you're you're taught to be tough you're not. Mm. You're taught not to show pain, to show weakness. Mm. Um, e- even the, the 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 terminology, it's it's weakness. You know, there's that. There's that. Mm. You know, you're you're either strong or you're weak. Yeah, um, I, I think it's very think, strong to show vulnerability. I think it's very so, strong of so a gentleman. So do I, but I, yeah, but I think it's not. I don't think it's taught to to us as young lads growing up, you know. Mm. I hope that it's changed. I mean, I've got a little boy who's three. Oh, and yes. um, it's it's funny. We were talking about this the other day. Um, in and I don't know where it's come from, but innately, if he hurts himself, he often goes quiet rather than says. And I don't know whether that's a. He's already picking up other other children at nursery and mm. perhaps the way people say up you get and you know all that kind of stuff mm. and we're kind of trying to proactively tell him it's okay it's okay to feel sad it's okay to oh, feel hurt it, good. it's fine i think that's you good you know i i think that that's where a lot of my sort of hang-ups over seeking help or even just talking out loud to friends and family you know I, I, it's a bit of a running joke really it's, it's ironic considering I do a podcast where I talk a lot but um it's a bit of a running joke where somebody will say uh, how was your day and I'll go yeah it's all right whether it's good bad or indifferent literally but that I think is what most men and most people do like if someone's had a really bad mm. day most of the time they just go yeah yeah I'm all right or just try and avoid it because they probably think I don't want to be negative I don't want to add to other people's problems like and you probably think what can you do maybe to support me or I don't know what whether it's a case of I've spoken to a few people about their struggles and I think sometimes it's a fear of being judged and Mm. I don't think people should feel they can't speak about things I really struggled to talk about what I was going through because I think as well if other people haven't gone through a similar kind of thing they don't get it and sometimes people some people are just empathetic what's the word like 
empathetic, empathetic, empathetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah empathetic. So th- they'll be compassionate, whether they understand or not. But some people just mm. maybe aren't the best people to speak to about how you're feeling, and that's why maybe turning to professionals who deal with those things is maybe the better option. But it's like, I mean, I don't know whether you've ever heard of them, but I'm actually an ambassador for a mental health charity, which is rugby related. They're called Loose Heads. And they have massively helped. Yeah, uh, they've massively helped um, men especially start talking about mental health struggles because apparently, obviously, back in the olden days, especially rugby players, would not talk about their feelings at all because it's not manly and it's mm. not, you're good, you're not strong and a rugby player, if you're going to talk about your feelings or get upset or talk about depression or mental health. Whereas now, so many men are opening up about their own struggles, addictions or issues or mental health problems or anxiety and I think it's actually really nice because it's just spreading support and it's nice that men, especially rugby playing men, are becoming more vulnerable because I think it's, look at younger generations who look up to them and now Mm. feeling, actually, I can open up too. And And also because my dad was massively struggled with depression, but he was undiagnosed Asperger's as well. So socially, right. he he was an extremely professional gentleman. Like he was just so professional all the time. He couldn't switch it off because he didn't kind of know how to be any other way. And he would never, ever have said he wasn't okay. I, you could literally physically see that he was not okay. And I'd say, Dad, are you okay? He could have just come out of hospital and he'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, no, you're not. But he wouldn't have spoke about it. Huh. And he would have never, he would have never told any of us that he was suicidal. Never. I mean, obviously, we we knew from a previous attempt that was unsuccessful. But I'd spoken to him on the Monday. He'd taken his life on the Thursday, you know. And I was like, there was no sign other than, to be fair, in hindsight, Sometimes there are big signs when you can tell someone's struggling, whether they say it or not. Like there was the the whole fridge was full of food that he hadn't eaten. And it's, it's one of them. Like you just, you can pick up on some things, but like, I think like in my dad's circumstance, even though he had professional help, sometimes it's not enough. And I think some help's better than no help, you know? Like, I used to be a very angry teenager, very angry, very rebellious, very, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to deal with my parents. I was very against the world. I just wanted to go out and rebel and be on the park with a two-litre bottle of Strongbow and just, (laughs) you know, I didn't really have... I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and I was very like lost. I never spoke about my feelings, never to my parents. I never felt comfortable. It was never a conversation that could be held. And then it was strange. 
brother passed away, my mum went very spiritual after, everything shifted for me. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I need to care about my mental health. And then I, I just started doing more inner work, started getting more spiritual. And I think when you actually drop your walls and say, I need a bit of help, even if you go to just your partner or if you feel you can't speak to your partner about it, maybe your family. If you feel you can't speak to your family, maybe your rugby mates or your friends from work. If you can't speak to them, I'd definitely say a professional. Or even just sometimes you don't even have to physically speak to someone who can respond. I actually found it quite nice to go to like farms. I was going to farms. There's like an alpaca farm in Old Bay Edge. And I just would go and speak to an animal. They can't say anything mm. back. But sometimes you get it off your chest or however you're feeling. And then you stroke this fluffy animal or you're with your animals at home. And you just, I don't know. I feel like not a lot of people do things to try and help their mental health. I think yeah. you've got to find what works for you. And it's, and it's never too late to seek help either, you know? So like you said, you, you might not be that kind of person to go for therapy. What do you lose going for one session? You know, after mm -hmm. one session, you might think, oh my God, I need this regularly, you know? Sometimes you don't gel with the professional. I've probably had three and spoke to one for a couple of weeks and thought, you know, maybe counselling's not for me. Glad I tried it. Go on to cognitive behaviour mm. therapy. The lady's really nice. She might move job. You might have to go somewhere else. You might get on with them. I, the person I speak to now isn't one-to-one -one anymore. It's just over the phone. And sometimes it's nice to have a chat with someone you don't even know. Mm. It's, it, it just makes you feel better. It takes a bit of a weight off your shoulders. So I do think that, you know, even if you feel like you're doing okay, sometimes just going for a therapy session, you might think, actually, not dealt with that. Maybe this will help. You might leave and think, no, I'm absolutely fine, but I'm just glad to have spoke to someone. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you think there's... I just had a thought as we were talking there about... Um... No, there's a gym on every corner. There's mm. personal trainers. Everywhere. You know, everywhere. There's so many different personal trainers, mm. different types of personal trainer, different focus areas, you know, all kinds. And it just made me think, you know, with when it comes to mental health, and I think about how you've gone on that journey of, um, you know, through the, the kind of stages of grief and you've worked your way through and you are where you are now and you're mm. still, you know, still obviously, like you said, still processing, but at the same time you're you're seeing the the, the path ahead, yeah, if you like, yeah, even yeah. if you're not all the way down it. Yeah. And um, you very clearly took steps to say, my mental health, my physical health, they're, equal, they're on an equal level. 100%. They're on an equal playing field. Yeah. And it just makes me think, you know, society generally, we, we've got, we're very comfortable valuing physical health. Mm, but not um, mental. 
not mental health. There isn't a, a therapist on every corner. There isn't like adverts on TV about, you know, getting getting help in that way. Like there is when you compare it to, you know, join X gym or, you know, do do this exercise or mm. we, we're just not in the same space culturally. I, I think it's moving that way, but it'd just be, be interesting to, to get your, your sort of take on all of that really. It's less of a question, more of just a thought. I just, you know, <laughs> why isn't it on a level playing field, you know? Um, it, I probably, I think a lot of people see mental health in like maybe a negative, you know, in a negative way, maybe like I think if someone said, "Oh, I have mental health issues," they would immediately someone would immediately assume, mm. "Oh, you know that that they're full of problems." Whereas actually, they could just sometimes struggle with anxiety, and that's completely normal and extremely common. Or some people might be going yeah. through the flow of waves of a depression or something might have happened and I'd, like a lot of people if something happens to them that they struggle to deal with I think they turn to self-sabotage before they turn to support right so like for example like I've done in the past if something and my brother sadly passed away from addiction he overdosed, but um, and it's obviously shifted my kind of outlook on self sabotage because it's very easy to fall into. Um, but a lot of people now, like if they're stressed at work, relationship problems, bereavement, God knows, you name any issue, they'll turn to alcohol, they'll turn to smoking, they'll turn to binge eating, they'll turn to partying, taking drugs. It, Anything that isn't probably of a healthy, you know, if they can't cope with whatever situation's gone on, instead of thinking, I should go and sort myself out or I should go and deal with this healthily, they think, I don't want to think about that. I want to distract myself from that, from the mm. pain, from the thoughts. A lot of people can't face their own thoughts, so they think, how do I stop the thoughts? How do I distract from the thoughts? So I think a lot of people would find it easier or they're just, they'd rather potentially negatively affect their physical and mental health as a means of coping than actually thinking, how can I healthily move forward from this? And I think it's not as encouraged you know, if something bad happens, even though that it is advertised, you know, you can go to this place or NHS has yeah. support for X, Y, and Z. Also, I think a big thing, there's very limited funding for the NHS. I remember I probably looked after my dad for the better half of four and a half years on and off. I must have gone to maybe six or seven hospitals. Is it counter Chester, Chester hospital? There was one in Wales, Macclesfield hospital. And he had to keep moving. He had to keep moving. The mental health sections of hospitals were getting smaller. 
And also, because mm. the funding's limited, um, most people with a variety of mental health problems are all put together in a hospital. So even if you've just got something very, very mild like anxiety and maybe very, very light depression, maybe you're just overworked like my dad was originally, you could be put next to or very close to someone with schizophrenia, with psychosis, with, you know, some people are quite aggressive and some people massively struggle and some people are down here, but they're all put under mental health and they're all put together. And my dad, I remember him saying to me, he, it's not normal. Like you're seen as, he said it was like everyone was seen as the same, even though they're completely different. And he said it's just due to lack of funding. And I think the NHS are very much like, here's some antidepressants, which I also believe to be a form of self-sabotage because antidepressants ruin my dad. You become addicted, sleeping tablets. Some of these antidepressants are completely numbing. They make you very neutral. They make you not happy, but not sad. And you're just a bit mm. blank. Sometimes they just prescribe so much. And I just think the NHS should have better ways. So like if you were overworked and depressed and it was causing a rift in your relationship or something, you should be able to go to the NHS and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. They should say, okay, you should reduce your working hours to this until you feel ready again. Or you should take a week off. Here's a letter. This will help. You know, you should go to the gym. It will probably help your relationship and it'll help your work life. Maybe change your diet. Change a few things. Come back in a couple of months if you still feel the same. Right? Whereas actually, mm. whatever you say, they'll say, here's some antidepressants. Numb yourself. See you later. And that is exactly what they did to my dad. They should have told him to just work a bit less and go on holiday. That would have completely sorted him out when he had a nervous breakdown. He was working seven days a week. They should have said to him, work less. But they didn't. They go, oh, you're depressed. Here's some tablets. And then that cycle starts. So I think, I think people should see going for support or therapy just as important as going to train or in a way if some people didn't feel comfortable to go for therapy I think people should be open to meditation or doing inner work and understanding that they need to work on themselves and a lot of people are resentful for their partners or they should be this way they should be that way how often do they look in the mirror and go wait a minute what toxic traits have you got that maybe they don't like? You know, a lot of people want to avoid their own issues and mm. they distract from it. And I think it takes a lot of courage and strength to go inwards and say, what's, what needs, what needs fixing here? You know, cause your mental health, like you said, it's just important as your physical health. And I, I realized as well as a personal trainer, you're also a counselor. A lot of people come for sessions yeah. 
just to talk because sometimes they don't feel like they can anywhere else. So it's one of them. Sometimes people are like, I've booked a session because my home life is chaotic and I just want to get out for an hour, you know? And I just think you could be having therapy, <laughs> you know? But yeah. it, some, to some people, training is therapy. Like for me, it's definitely therapy. And there's probably a lot of different types of therapy as well. Yoga is therapy to some people. Playing video games is therapy to some people. Uh, painting, painting therapeutic. Swimming to some people. But I don't know. I, th- I think hopefully one day the NHS will have more funding, more support will be open. And I hope schools... I remember when I was in school, I can't remember there being a lot of mental health help. I can't remember at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, and I I actually really struggled at school because, I mean, luckily it's not the case now, but back in the day, massively struggled with my home life and I was kicked out when I was 16 and I remember, she'll kill me for this, but my mum rang the school up and told the school I had anger management problems. I got put separate from other kids because they the school assumed I had anger management problems and I remember I had some form of counselling and the woman was like there's nothing wrong with you and I was like I seem like I'm angry because I'm angry that she said I've got anger management problems but it was because she was trying to hide her issue with alcoholism at the time as well so it was oh I I think I wish I'd had more support at school so hopefully schools will provide more support for children because it'll help them with their education as well because look how many children struggle because of the pressure of education now I think it's crazy especially in grammar schools is there mental health support in grammar schools I'm not sure interesting to look into to be honest what are your thoughts on especially it? When you, well, especially when you... I think you're absolutely right. I think it makes me think a couple of things. One's, you know, in the curriculum is PE, is is games, is, you know, there's even a bit of home ec. There's, there's kind of like, you know, this is how you feed yourself. This is how you uh, look after yourself physically. There's... there's I'm not saying it's it's holistic, it covers all of those bases, but there's a little bit of that. You know, we could all talk about it could be better for, you know, physical education, etc. But like you, and it may be different in schools now, of course, my, my little one's too young to be there just yet, but yeah. I, I've seen no, I, I saw at the time anyway, no um, acknowledgement of that there was such a thing as, you know, mental health or that, mm. that, that you should look after your, your mind. Mm. And, and, and it makes me think something else, just going back to something you said right at the beginning is our attitude to mental health and then our attitude to physical health with physical health. We're, we're preventative. We think before you, we don't, we don't just tell people to go to the gym when they are unable to you yeah, know, yeah. move or walk yeah. or, Perhaps they've got some real physical problems. We tell people to go to the gym early, like yeah, you know, to prevent that from nothing happening. Nothing wrong with them. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, to be pre- pre- to prevent it. But with mental health, we almost like wait for there to be a problem. Yeah, a, an incident, mm. a breakdown, a trauma. Mm. Um, 
and, and yeah, so th- those those things all it, it all kind of inter intertwines. I suppose the other thing, that sort of just reflecting on what you said about um, funding, mm. is you know it's, it's easy to to monetize this uh, preventative kind of you know the gym. The, it's easy to to monetize that physical health. Yeah, you know because everyone wants to. Everyone has this kind of like ideal of what they want to look like and how yeah. they should how they should feel and all these kind of things so it's kind of easy to monetize mm. whereas whereas that's not mental we're health, relying not. solely on yeah mm. we're relying solely on national on the national health service yeah and i think i think it does put it must put it must put people off that like the average therapy session is at least 40 pounds about an hour mm. Like I think yeah. the most I've ever paid for a therapy yeah. session is about seventy five pound just for the hour. So imagine if you yeah. felt like you needed therapy once a week. Imagine it, you'd break the bank. You know, I mean, that's probably why yeah. some people avoid it because some people probably can't afford it. And and then like there's probably wait lists for the NHS. There's lack of funding there. Waiting lists. Are people getting enough support quickly? No, not really. So it's it's a it's a hard one. Whereas in the gym, some gyms are really cheap. You just go to the gym, you know. Yeah. Whereas it's not as easily accessible for support for the mental health. I think, like you said as well, there should be something in the curriculum like mindfulness, which is like a combination of I don't know stretching yoga meditation or even learning about how to cope with mental health problems or how to deal with stress or you know i think i think people should should learn about it and understand the signs in themselves or in their partners or because sometimes it's a case of i think some people don't know how to deal with other people's mental health either because maybe they don't understand their own they don't know how to help someone else like I struggled to understand what was going through my dad's mind because he couldn't verbally explain to me so sometimes you don't know what to do so I think people should be able to learn about it but it's not as it's not as easy as that you know like you said yeah but it's made me think now like it makes me think how can we how can we help you know more people to yeah maybe want to seek therapy it's it's hard because it's like do I do I go to the NHS and wait hopefully for therapy which might only last four weeks because the NHS cap how many sessions you're allowed it might be 10 you might be allowed 10 hours mm. spread over a certain amount of time but that's capped and you have to wait for it or if you're going to pay for it, have you got 40 to 70 pound an hour for as often as you need, you know? So it's it's a hard one. Where's the in-between? I think maybe, I think people should find what works for them because maybe therapy is not the option for everyone. Yeah. So maybe maybe gyms should have something. They should have some some sort of class or seminar or I'm not sure. I, I don't know. 
crossed it did cross my mind you know as we were talking about it i thought mm. i wonder i wonder what like a, a mental health gym would look like that's you know? interesting like, or, well you know you just reminded me when i was a member of dw fitness uh one of the pts there his name's will will barton he actually set up something called i think it was called inner circle and it was at the gym mm. but in a separate room and it was for people to sit in a circle and share and you didn't even have to share if you didn't want to and then he'd he'd make people do like a scenario i can't explain it it was like a guided thing and then everyone explained their perception of this scenario and it was interesting to see it, i can't explain it it was like very intimate but i think things yeah. like that aren't for everyone you know, some people probably don't want to share in front of strangers. Some people don't want to share in front of groups. But for me, I thought it was wonderful. And it, it was mixed. Yeah. It was men and women. And I was actually surprised how vulnerable some men were in those sessions. So, and I think that cost, I think, I think he charged a couple of quid for the hour. And it was actually quite nice. So you could literally just go and train and you go in the coffee shop there was like a separate room and just go in. It was like an inner circle. It was quite nice. Wow. And, and I think I only, went, I only went to two. I can't remember how long it went on for, but yeah, it was good. So maybe... It's a great idea though. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. But oh, and also another thing, which I don't know whether people know about, completely maybe irrelevant, but he actually is involved with sober dance. So for people who right. want to rave or dance but not feel the need to take drugs or drink, because I think he might have come out of used to be an addict or potentially or, or potentially lost someone to being an addict. But he supports like sober dance and raves that are completely <laughs> sober. And yeah, that's advertised on Instagram if anyone wants to have a look at it. But that could be another thing for some people who maybe want to still feel involved or social but not feel tempted by addiction or want help coming out the other side of it. I'm not sure. But th there are things out there. I just think they're not encouraged enough, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it sounds like there's there's the odd sort of pioneering individual yeah, who's kind of who's doing trying. things. There's, there's the odd organisation that's trying things. Exactly. And, you know, it, it probably needs more more of that holistic. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, well, I think yeah, it's more nice. People doing that. I think it's yeah, nice that true. The, the guys have brought out the vegan rugby club, like the first UK's yeah. first vegan team. I mean, it's a shame we haven't got the first full women's team. Because it's probably not that common to be a vegan rugby playing woman, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> so if anyone's thinking about doing that, I can recommend 100%. it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. But hundred percent looking for more women on the team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. And and any any ability. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if oh, you've yeah. never played I think before, that, that's a key part. Yeah, yeah, that's a key part of the ethos of the club, isn't it? Is to, you know, every everyone's welcome. 
um, regardless of ability or you know gender or anything. You know, you, you come one, come all kind of thing. So yeah, couldn't agree more with that statement. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping to. It get was good down. fun last time we all got together. Oh gosh, I really enjoyed that. I actually thought I'd be shocking because I had a sprained ankle. My right ankle was uh, strapped up, <laughs> and I thought, oh gosh, I'm gonna just look you know shocking but actually i could still kick and i could still run around so i had a good laugh and you're you could kick from one side of the pitch <laughs> to the other it made me literally go home and be like right i've got to practice on this tea because i just couldn't believe it but you know it, it, it must be all that vegan whole plant-based diet you know that you've got <laughs> so either that or the junk food i don't know or is it it's the uh when, when I was young, the, like we were saying before we recorded, it's it's having to play rugby all the time and wanting to play football. I probably yeah. just did a lot of kicking. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> In frustration. Mm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't wait for vegan junk food. I've already planned in my mind I'm going to have a massive <laughs> burger, cheesy nachos, cheesy fries, maybe. I, I, I bet I can't even eat it. Because my stomach will have definitely shrunk, but I'm going to try. Oh, probably. Mm, but yeah. how many weeks now? Did oh, just next Sunday. It's, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was like eleven days. Eleven or something. days. Eleven days. So eleven I, days. So I could have a burger. I had eleven in my head. Mm. So I could have a burger wow. in eleven days, which I cannot wait for. I've also, which I will probably tag you in if they're any good. Um, I've pre-ordered vegan. Biscoff donuts mixed oh. mixed box of vegan Biscoff donuts for post show. Oh. So if they're if they're good, I will tag the donut company. It's probably not a good thing oh, as a personal a trainer to encourage donut sales, but if they're amazing, I've I've got to. So yeah, wow. but I, I, yeah, I think donut now and then, I, and I don't think as well. A lot of people think that vegan food will taste nice. Like I wish, I'd, I wish, looking back, when I wasn't vegan, I wish I'd said to myself, "Oh, I'll try vegan food to see if it's nice." It's actually so much nicer <laughs> than the food I ate previously. Like, I'm shocked. Like, I, I could order any vegan dish from most restaurants and love it, and you never get food poisoning. That's what I found. You just can't <laughs> get food great. poisoning ever. You don't. No, you just don't. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, don't know whether you, you recommend anywhere for food. Do you recommend like a favorite restaurant oh, or anything? I've got I've got lots of uh, lots of places. I think one of the um the ones that that stands out is just jumped to my head probably because I'm hungry for this specific thing right now. It <laughs> is um I think it's called is it called Young Vegans? Oh, if I'm wrong, I'll put this in the show notes and correct it. But there's a there's a pie shop in Camden. Wow. Um, that sells vegan pie and mash, Ooh. and it and it it is fantastic. I mean, unreal. I, I love it. The odd occasion that I am going to a, a usually a football match in in London Gregs. somewhere, I make this oh, no. dramatic detour to <laughs> to to um, this pie shop. So that I can get a pie. Are they big? (laughs) It's really small. It's like um, it's right right near Camden Lock, and it's like it's almost a kiosk rather than a restaurant. Oh, really? But but it's 
absolutely fantastic. Wow. It, like literally my, my one of my favourite places to eat. And then if I'm feeling a bit more, um, yeah, it is young vegan, so we go. If I'm feeling a bit more um, health conscious, then um, I do like like deliciously Ella's restaurant. I didn't uh, know she had a restaurant. London. I know, and I've heard yeah, of Deliciously Ella. Yeah, I think I've tried mm. the there's like uh, peanut butter cups or something that you can get from Tesco. I've tried like the little protein yeah. balls or Deliciously Ella. She's that's right. Yeah, she's got into that kind of world of things sold in supermarkets and in like you place find them in place like boots and stuff. Yeah, but prior to that, she did like. Um, a series of uh, cookbooks and so on. Oh. And then she had, she did have two restaurants. I think there's only one now, but it's in way on Wayhouse street. So if you, if you're on Oxford street, it's like the, the street behind oh, right. Oxford okay. street. Um, Is it all vegan? Yeah. It's and it, all vegan. Yeah. Wow. All vegan. Absolutely. But the word vegan is not anywhere in the restaurant. You just, See, I like it's that. just food. I like that because people are yeah. going in with, you know, sometimes yeah. you could take your family who are maybe against vegan food, like my family, mm-hmm. take the mick out of me. Every time I order something, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's just not got animal products in it. <laughs> Sometimes, oh, oh, sorry. I might have someone here. Oh gosh, what time is ringing? it? No, the front door. Bear with me one second. Oh, I see. Do you mind? Oh, it's, it's hot. It's, it's hot. Okay, well, do you want me to love you and leave you? Because I've, I've got someone at the door. Yeah, we. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favourite end to a podcast ever. <laughs> One second. <laughs> Nikki's just gone to uh, to answer the door. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to. Um, I'll have to say bye. But it was lovely to speak to you. <laughs> it was great chatting to you. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you at the Green Gazelles. Yeah. In November. Yeah, hopefully I'll see you then. And um nice I'll tag one. you in those tones as well. Thank you so much. Tell me. And I'll um, Good luck. I hope you have an amazing show. Thank you so much. And you enjoy the donuts. And thank you so much for asking me to be on the podcast. I've really, really enjoyed chatting to you, hon. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for, for everything. It's been amazing. Thank you. See bye, you later. Bye. Now. Bye. bye.